It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast Australia, are halfway through their test tour of India. Right now they're currently 2-0 down. But there's still plenty to play for. Uh, my name is Josh Onafinger. I'm going to be joined in just a second by Louis Cameron, who's made his way from Delhi to Indore. And Louis, welcome to this edition of the podcast. How are the spirits around the Aussie team at the minute? Spirits are pretty good, considering, I suppose. They're 2-0 uh, they're down. They really should have won that second test, shouldn't they? They threw away great positions twice, which is, you know, unforgivable to to get in a position to win in India. is so rare. India so rarely lose in their home country. And to have them 7 for 140 in the first innings, you know, over 100 runs ahead and throw that away and then to get in the position they got in when Travis Head was going in the second dig yeah that's uh that's a that was a really difficult test for them to lose so all things considered well those things considered it's um they're going pretty well i mean they've had a long a long time in delhi they had a a long break anyway but um yeah they they got a chance to do some different things i know some guys went to a golf resort uh, i think steve smith went to dubai um, for a bit of culture in, in the UAE wow. capital and um, some people have their families over here. So um, I, I think they were able – I mean, there's only so much you can train, right? Like I, I imagine there's probably people back at home and say they should be in the nets and, and this and that. But, I mean, how much more training can they do? And, and they are training a lot. They trained twice more before they left Delhi. They trained again today in their your first full day in indoor. So, um they're doing they're doing a lot in the nets. They're doing a lot in preparation, and um, you know they now they just got to do it out on the pitch, I suppose. Now, and you've been filing madly as well. Lou. You've been sending a lot of great stuff back for cricket.com.au. But did you get a bit of time to do a bit of sightseeing in between the Delhi and the indoor tests yourself, mate? Just a little bit. Went to the Taj Mahal uh, on what I think was day f- what would have been day five of the test, uh, and saw that. There, that was that was really nice. Peter Hanscom was actually, incidentally, he was it was on this podcast a couple of days ago. Um, he was actually there with his his young son Jack, uh, his wife Sarah, and his his mother in law as well, and, and they were having a look around uh, the Taj. And I think they also went to Jaipur and maybe one or two other places around that area to kind of be Tommy tourist for a few days. So. Um, yeah, got got a good chance to to do that, and I'm feeling I'm feeling refreshed. My workloads are in a good place, Josh. I'm uh, I might have been dipping into the red zone just a little bit, but um, all under control now, mate. Good. I'm glad the rotation policy is working for the journos. <laughs> um, let's just look back at the Delhi Test because all the focus has, of course, been on that hour of absolute mayhem where Australia um, lost the match. Essentially, Jadeja took seven and ran through them on day three there. But there were a lot of positive signs in the first two days. Kawaji got 81, Hanscom got 72, uh, Nathan Lyon got five for 67. And as you said, Travis Head looked good opening the batting in the absence of David Warner. 
Um, so are, are the Aussies going to be focusing on those specific, uh, I guess, positives from that second test rather than that craziness that saw them lose the match? Yeah, well, it's a hard one for him because in one sense those positives make the defeat even harder to swallow, I think. I mean, two and a half days lost when you're on top in the test twice in two different occasions, mm. um, that makes it really difficult. But, yes, I mean, the flip side is um, that that they weren't completely outplayed. And, look, personally, I, I think this team will win a test over here at some point, whether it's in indoor and a metabad, sorry, indoor or a metabad. Um, I just think they're too good not to. And, I mean, they've suffered a, a few setbacks even since then, right? So we've, we've had the news that David Warner's gone home with uh, – I don't think it was a concussion that sent him home in the end. It was the the – the fractured elbow that he suffered, you know, only a few minutes, or yeah, a few, I think 15 minutes after um, the concussion. So, so he, he's gone home, and so is Pat Cummins, who's obviously dealing with a really, really tough situation with um, with his mother being being very ill. And um, you know, everyone obviously wishes him all the best. From a purely on field point of view, those are two senior guys, but there were two senior guys who I don't think. You know, shot the lights out. I think it's fair to say in the first two tests, Dave. Um, I think it was you know one, ten, and fifteen in his three innings, uh, and then obviously missed the a, a fourth hit because of the concussion. And Pat, I think, bowled really well in stages, but these pitches, you know, uh, especially the first test pitch, w- w- haven't been great for for fast bowling. I might add a caveat on that though. If um, it, we'll come back to that in terms of India's fast bowlers, but um, so you know they they haven't been. They haven't been making hundreds of taking fivers, those two, I guess is my point. Uh, so that's an opportunity for, for two new guys to, to come in and we can um, we can have a chat about, about that in a minute, um, you know, to, to potentially improve this team, um, which is a good thing because they haven't been that – they weren't that far away from winning this, this second test in particular. Yeah, so David Warner, he's expected to return for the ODI series that follows the fourth test of this series. And Pat Cummins, we thought he may return for the third test, but he's going to stay back in Sydney to be with his mother. And is a chance to return for the fourth? Is that what we're hearing at this stage? Yeah, I think I think they're keeping it open. Um, there's obviously, you know, definitely doubt over it, and, and so there should be. I think, you know, his first priority should be his family. So um, he, he might might be back, he might not. Okay. And at the Nets today, you were down there at the indoor stadium, uh, not inside the stadium. But, uh, <laughs> it's going to yes. be a lot of those jokes in the next little <laughs> next little while, I reckon. So, I thought I'd get in there early. Um, Mitchell Stark was bowling rockets from what I um, saw from your stuff over there. So what's the latest on the left arm quick? Yeah, well, I think I think he'll play um, if you know if deemed completely fit. He, he was available, interestingly, in Delhi, but they they basically chose Matt Kuhneman over him um, because they thought it was going to spin more, and that ended up being a, a pretty decent pick. I think I don't think it. Um, you know, I think that was that was a pretty positive debut from from Matt over there. But yeah, with with Cummins gone, I think Mitch. Um, you know, think he, he comes straight back in. He's basically said that his finger's not 100%, and it might not be for for some time. You, you look at it, and it's uh, it's a bit swollen, and there's kind of a, a cut there. And um, he's got enormous fingers anyway, but the, this one's kind of uh, you know even even bigger than the normal. He's still sleeping with a with a splint on, interestingly. Um, so he's still okay. got a yeah, still just the the top little bit just below the last knuckle if i'm phrasing that right it kind of droops if he doesn't um 
keep keep trying to re- repair the tendon which which runs along the top. I'm not a medical expert, but I have spoken to someone who is. So <laughs> this is where this is where this is coming from. And um, so he's got to kind of have that that on to, to keep it, keep the recovery going. So um, it's still not one. And, and he's got. I think he'll probably wear a cap on it or, or a little splint on it while he's fielding as well uh, if he plays in this test. So it's not 100, percent but he, he's. As he said at the press conference today, he's played through worse in the past. And then Cameron Green is, um, is I think, nearing 100% as well. Uh, slightly different finger injury um, also to his bowling hand, but um, seems like he's batting pretty well. Um, he, he faced Mitchell Stark in the nets today and he faced fast bowlers, so that's a good sign because he hasn't done too much of that uh, since he's been over here. Um, and then his bowling is his bowling's look really good for a couple of weeks now, and um, which kind of led us to think that he might be playing that that second test. So um, they might end up being the two seam bowling options in this test if they want to go with three spinners again. Yeah, I also found it interesting uh, Andrew McDonald's comments in the aftermath of that Delhi test that he said that Travis Head was always their sort of backup opener, and it looks like he may get a crack to. To play the whole third test as an opener now, I think that's right. Yeah, I think the I think the logical thing, and you know, they they've surprised us in both tests, right? Which with you know, a dropping Travis in the first test and then um, re- recalling him straight away for the second test. Um, so they have surprised us, but the the most sensible thing on the on the outside would seem to be replacing. Warner with Green head goes up to open as he did in the second inning, and Green slots back in at five or six, and then Cummins goes out for for Mitch Stark, um, and then that mm-hmm. final that final bowling spot is probably between Kuhneman and, and Scott Boland. So um, that would you know that, they'd be the two or three changes I'd think they'd look at, and yeah, Travis Head um, is you know he, he was in form coming into this and and they and they just decided he wasn't quite good enough or his record in the subcontinent wasn't wasn't up to scratch but he showed in that second innings that that positive play against spin can can put India on the back foot they were on the back foot that you know late on day two um, Aksar Patel said that he, he said that um, you know that they felt like they needed to change their bowling plans and Rohit Sharma actually convened a meeting of the spinners on that third morning and said we need to change our plans a bit and we need to be a bit more patient um, and then eight for twenty-eight happened. So, <laughs> um, so whatever they whatever they said worked. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good role for Travis in in the subcontinent. It means he's he gets to probably start his innings at, at least against one pace bowler when the ball's newer, when it's coming on, and you know maybe then from there he can get into some of the things he's been working on against spin bowling. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Indian quicks, you said that there was something you wanted to mention about those. Uh uh, two quicks who have been playing in their eleven. Yeah, just that I think they bowled really well um, in, in this series, and you know, if if we're being honest, I think they might have out bowled bowled the Australians. And there's been some suggestions that maybe the skiddier, shorter nature of the of both Mohammed Shami and Mohammed Siraj might have you know played had a bit of an impact on on things. And um, you think even back to Scott Boland in the first test, uh, a guy who is skiddier and hits stumps. You know, the, all those bowlers talk about how he hits the stumps more in Australia. Um, he, I thought he was Australia's best 
just about their best bowler in Nagpur. I know Todd Murphy got the got the wickets, but Boland was incredible, and he he just didn't mm. he didn't let off from a from a good length. So maybe um, yeah, I, I do think it would be a bit of a cop out to to say that um, you know there's been nothing in the in the pitches for the fast bowlers. There, there was a little bit of bounce in Delhi, and I think it's an area for improvement for Australia in this series. And um, Mitch Stark did say today that they've been looking at how um, the Indian quicks, you know, they've they've been pretty effective at hitting the stumps at being skiddy and um, they've taken some important wickets in this series so we talk heaps and heaps about spin the Aussies are talking heaps about spin they're facing a lot of spin but um, I think it's worth remembering that that you know the quicks can have an impact too yeah I feel like it's easy to get sucked into those sort of things when you head over to foreign conditions isn't it Um, now you, your p- predictions so far have been pretty good. You said the first test would be a rank turner, and you said the second test would be a raging turner. You were at the ground. To, <laughs> you were at the ground today. What do you think is going to happen in the third test? Bunsen burner again. Yep, going to spin like <laughs> okay. absolute crazy. No, nah, um, what's it going to do? Yeah, there was. It was an interesting one. There was uh, a fair bit of grass on it, but only. In the middle bits, um, I believe about five meters uh, either side. Uh, you know, the the five meters of, of length from where the batters would stand. That's kind of where the dry bits are. Um, yeah, interesting enough. That's probably where uh, the spinners would would want to pitch it. But I'm not, you know, not not saying that that uh, there's any correlation <laughs> between the two. Just that that um, those are two independent facts. And uh, uh, but it's two days out. You know, that's uh, that's an ob- observation from two days out from the test. So whether that holds up for ball one, whether that all that grass stays on, um, uh, I dare say that they might shave a little bit of it off. But just watching the the practice nets today. Um, it didn't look like they were turning heaps, um, and interestingly, the the nets they were training on mostly today were on the kind of in the corner of the ground, still on the on the field of play, and oh. yeah, so they weren't turning a huge amount. So you know that's it's you know that's so close to each other. Um, maybe you'd say that that whatever is happening in the on those practice wickets might be replicated out in the middle. That also might be complete um, hogwash as well. I've, I've I've given up trying to predict um, things over here, but yeah, they're, they're all they're all things that um, that I've observed. And whether you want to draw any conclusions from them is uh, is up to you. <laughs> so it's like a Marvel Marvel Stadium style. Uh practice wickets on the oval sort of situation is it yeah exactly that's a really good comparison actually um yeah except they're not drop-ins because um i don't think the indoor hawks are are a great afl team Uh, i don't think there's much Aussie rules footy being played so it's all about cricket in um in indoor yeah and as you alluded to earlier you had a great chat with peter hanscom just a couple of days ago which is up on our podcast feed if you want to check that out Uh, he had some interesting things to say about facing those Indian spinners and just about his comeback into that test squad. Yeah, yeah, I really loved his explanation on uh, – I just kind of asked him, you know, how why is it so hard to face Ashwin Jadeja? And, you know, people back home are going, you know, these blokes are, these blokes are terrible and they, you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, I just kind of wanted to get an insight of, you know, what what do these guys do that's, that makes them, makes them so difficult to face? So I thought that was really good. I thought – I'm not sure what you made of, made of it, Josh, but his uh, short leg fielding equipment where he's basically wearing these catchers um, a baseball catcher's protective gear all up and down his legs 
uh, is really interesting and um, I've never heard of anyone doing that before. So um, that's an interesting one to, to look out for in the next couple of tests. Yeah, I love the initiative that he's shown with that, but I reckon if he keeps having as much success as he is, it might come under the microscope just from the powers to be, I reckon, a, a bit as well. So I had a bit of a look through the rules and couldn't find anything to suggest you can't do that unless there's a – sometimes there's like little hidden ICC match um, – clauses and stuff like that that are kind of hard to to dig up but um yeah definitely the i mean you always question these things when they come into play for the first time but i found it really interesting that he said the catch the that alex carey that rebounded off his uh the outer shell of his above his knee that rebounded up to alex carey off kl rahul's bat in the um in india's second innings that that's one that wouldn't happen too often um but you know, I think the you know the only rule, as far as I can tell, is that you can't have the the black stuff kind of showing underneath your pads. You've got to be seen to be wearing full whites. Um, guys wear shin pads underneath their pants all the time. That's that's permitted. Is there any? I don't think there's any particular rule about the firmness of the protective equipment you can you can wear. So maybe he's he's pushing the pushing the boundaries a bit. Yeah, I like it. Uh, he gave a nice little plug to a little uh, baseball store in southeast Melbourne as well. So uh, maybe we'll have to get them on board as a sponsor on the podcast. Um, and speaking of uh, training, just before we let you go, uh, there have been some funky uh, little training techniques that the Aussies have been employing to try and replicate what they get out in the middle. Do you want to just talk the listeners through what they've been <laughs> pulling out at training? Yeah, well, the the one that caught my eye going back to Sri Lanka last year was Andrew McDonald doing short leg practice with – oh, the power's just gone out here. That's um, – anyway, well, I'll, uh, I'll plough plow on in the darkness. Um, Andrew McDonald <laughs> was uh, in, in Colombo, I think it was, last year holding uh, a yellow Sharon – and someone would underarm him the ball, and he would. Oh, the powers just come back on. I don't know if you could hear that. Um, I'm I'm back in back in the light. Uh, where was I? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, sorry, it's quite quite unnerving when all your lights go out. Um, we we should keep this in the podcast. It's it's definitely good for for people to hear this. Yeah, uh, we're not cutting this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Andrew McDonald's using a Sharon to kind of replicate short leg practice, um, and so they've continued doing that on this tour. Andre Borovec as uh, the fielding coach has also had this almost like a it's a octagonal or a hexagonal um, wooden board made up, and he put like little spiky children's balls uh, in the ho- in these holes, uh, kind of in between it. And he was trying to use that as like a as a silly point drill almost as, you know, the ball could go off at any direction off these spiky balls. What they found was that the balls were too soft and the cricket balls were kind of like just going through them. And, um, and mm. so that's a bit of a work in progress. But um, then the one that caught our eye the other day in Delhi was uh, they dragged over a – uh, a barricade that they use for traffic at the ground and uh, threw a ball off it and put a the curator's roller on the other side of it and then the ball would deflect off the roller. So it'd bounce off the barricade, hit the roller and go off at different angles and they'd be catching them in the slips. So um, there's a lot of a lot of interesting, um, funny ideas and, and they've been encouraged to kind of uh, train in, in slightly different ways. And I think the, the key is the things are just different to Australia, the way catches come, um, you know, where players are fielding is different to Australia. So they need to practice things that they don't necessarily do back home. 
Uh, one little training apparatus that was all the rage when I was playing junior cricket was uh, the crazy catch. Do you remember that little piece of equipment? Could they get a few of those over there? Yeah, well, is that is that the same as the slips cradle? Now, the crazy catch was like a, a, a triangle-shaped uh, net that uh, was strung very tightly like a tennis racket, but the ball would bounce off at oh, all different angles, and, even if you threw it straight. And yeah. you could kind of do it solitary, right, where you'd unrun the ball at it. And yes, it was like the string yes. was, was rigged up with different thicknesses to send the ball off. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the ones I just have trouble figuring out is how to replicate what exactly – you know, what a game situation. How does the ball come off? And um, there's a balance between – Andre Borovic kind of talked about it between you want the repetition repetition of, of a training drill to get the volume of catches in, but you also want a lot of balls it, that aren't going to you, if that makes sense, because, mm. I mean, you stand at mm. short leg for 90 overs and you might get one catch all day. So to replicate that in training is the balance between how much do you actually want to be catching balls – uh, Volumes-wise, and how much you actually want to be waiting for it to train your concentration to catch the ball that eventually does come. So, um, yeah, really interesting, really interesting debate. Louis, thanks for joining us on this edition of the Unplayable Podcast, and we'll chat to you after the third test. Look forward to it, Josh. Cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.